Hello, creeps. I'll be your ghost. I mean host. As we delve the crypts of spooky movies and even spookier theory. Welcome to Horror Vanguard. Hello, listeners and all of you wonderful ghouls of the Horror Vanguard Cryptatorium, which is what we will be calling the audience uh, for this episode and this episode alone, because we will, like all of our little gimmicks and namings here, we will have forgotten we did that uh, by tomorrow morning. I am one of your co-ghosts. I am Ashley Darrow, joined as always by the one, the only, the Bat-tastic at the Licorice Guy, aka John. How is it going, John? It's... It's so good. I have my podcasting utility belt on. I have my uh, various a- array of podcasting related pun named gadgets. <laughs> I am ready to start the year. Yeah, I, 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 I got, got the assignment wrong. Instead of bat everything, I have Hegel everything. So I've got my Hegel repellent shark spray. I've just I am ready for theory, but not ready for crime fighting. Yeah, some days you just can't get rid of the phenomenology of spirit. <laughs> I, I even the geese won't take that book, but I'm, <laughs> but it's not it's not just your in, intrepid detectives today. We are joined by two members of the Horror Vanguard Rogues Gallery, Frank and Leon from Left Page and Here Be Media. How's it going? Hello, everyone. It's it's good to be back. It's good to be. Pushing the format for Horror Vanguard, as I've done before. <laughs> you are probably the only force on heaven or earth that could have got us to do a Batman episode. Oh, yes, yes. It's an honor to be here for the first time, so thank you so much. Uh, I'm, I'm new. I'm the other guy that you heard on the three, uh, 300th <laughs> episode. That's, that's me. So, there you go. Little yeah, to be on here. top thank of... You so much. Um, on top of the HV crypt, there is a, a podcasting signal that occasionally we do fire that bad boy up, and it's um, you know, it's whoever whoever answers the call drops in <laughs> to the show. Uh, I know, and it is uh, a a genuine delight to be starting twenty twenty four off with uh, left page slash here be media. Uh, we are talking today. Um, about something that might seem uh, might seem like a, a kind of left field choice for an HV episode, uh, but I'm- so really the the only the only way to <laughs> to kind of get into the show is to um, ask not Ash but another of this dun, dun, uh, crew dun. of super powered podcasters to explain what today's film is about. Go ahead, Frank. Okay, let's do this. <laughs> Who is Batman? <laughs> we think of him now as the armed vigilante in absolute control. But there's a history there. One a lot lighter, a lot brighter than the nightclad billionaire. We had Adam West. Kind-hearted paternal philanthropist. The Batman that cherished life and held out hope even in the most dire of circumstances. A Batman that loved, that danced, that laughed and cared. He's not our Batman anymore, and we must wonder why. Where did all the color go? Where did all that ridiculous and silly absurdity all went? Well, I shall offer no riddles here, but some devilishly funny thoughts that shall certainly offer a few, perhaps, perfect suggestions for us to think about. (laughs) Quack, quack, quack. (laughs) Well, 
right off the bat. Oh, beautiful. I have to disagree with you there, uh, Frank. It's uh, th- This Batman <laughs> sucks because he's not a billionaire. He's only a millionaire. So that's... <laughs> no. I hope I won't bruise you too much by saying that. But there we go. Well, th- that was the thing. He wasn't a billionaire here. Later, Yeah, he that's is. why this Batman uh, is not good, obviously. Like, it's... <laughs> he also oh, threatens to kill somebody which Batman doesn't do and I will adhere strictly and dogmatically to whatever Christopher Nolan says yeah the the Adam West Batman is decidedly not an effective accelerationist so that that automatically holds him back when compared to his technocratic successors but before before yeah, we I'm, dive in I'm just to saying Zizek's never written about the Adam West Batman so <laughs> <laughs> which which proves that the Adam West Batman is stronger than the Slovenian King of Philosophy. Oh yeah, Zizek is afraid of Adam West. I think we can all like right out of the gate agree on that. Philosophers are a superstitious and cowardly lot. Um, but before we dig in any further, uh, Frank and Leon, would you mind telling us a little bit about your wonderful uh, podcast, where our listeners can find you? All of all of, and then yeah, I don't know. No, no, let's just let's start there. Let's get this ball rolling. Sounds good. Uh, well, I've, 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 some many years, some many moons ago, I, I created The Left Page, which is a show about media, literature, and politics, evidently. Uh, we talk about books and stuff, and been writing about books. So that's been going on for a while. And about a year ago, uh, a bit more than that, Leon joined me and came up with another show to, to supplement our catalog. Yeah. Uh, and what a journey it has been. Uh, we had the lovely this fairy horror uh, horror vanguard over to talk about the Elden Ring, uh, that the and 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 stumbled upon something that actually laid some foundational tracks, if you will, for this very episode. So there you go. Uh, you can find me right outside your house in your shed, listening to Laura Palmer's theme from Twin Peaks <laughs> and pondering the infinite and the eternal. <laughs> Yeah, it's a fun a fun podcasting fact, actually. This isn't like streamed to your app podcasting app of choice. It's actually the four of us within earshot of you just throwing our voices into your headphones. Yeah. We use some various <laughs> gadgets to communicate. Uh, and this has been retranslated into normal speech. And this is this yeah, is live. Absolutely. And so that's why I'm about to say uh, you've had a bit too much coffee today. I think you should have at least one glass of water. You really have to hydrate. You know you get anxiety. I, I, calculated uh, and, and calculated point, statement <laughs> to hit at least 80% of our listeners yeah absolutely <laughs> I was about to say and that's and that's why some of you will ignore that advice and instead have more coffee <laughs> how do how do you know how do I know that our, our majority of our listeners are coffee drenched neurotics you might ask <laughs> in no way shape or form is that me no, so, no it's fine it's fine we heard it through sonar hearing that's uh, because uh, <laughs> we're doing a bad cast. Like true yeah. bats. Bad episode. There you go. Yeah, Batman doesn't need enough fruit. I don't really accept him as having like a bat-related power. No, no, he's a billionaire, so he's actually a vampire bat. So he sucks the life out of the oh, city. Oh, okay. Mm. That's, that's, oh, that's yeah. why he keeps yeah. rotating all of these little like, you know, like wafy boy servants. They're his blood boys. I mean, it wasn't going to go there personally, <laughs> but you know, you go right ahead. <laughs> <laughs> you said it. So we're we're already we're already getting a little silly here, and I think that'll take us into the first uh, section of the formalism zone notes. Because uh, I know I know Frank, you wanted to talk a little bit about silliness today. I did. So that that helps because it's one of the reasons why I suggested 
doing this show with with the two of you and this show because uh and, and as leon mentioned it in the Elden ring episode one of the things we talked about and i wrote about this it's open for everyone to take a look at about how Elden Ring and a lot of other media, especially video games, can be really serious and also just plain funny. There's this bizarre stuff that happens. It's like, that's hilarious. Like, you're called Maidenless, the very start of a video game. <laughs> that's wonderful. Um, and, and, you know, I, I care deeply about this idea of the silly. I'm trying to push this as something that can help both reinforce certain aspects of serious media inverted commas but also can be interesting and useful for analysis in a way that an ironic or more edgy disposition can predispose you of making certain connections and certain approaches and overall just be sometimes a more enjoyable experience if if it's silly so nothing better came to mind than batman 66 adam west batman is it's both formative and wonderful uh, for me. I, I I love it a bit, and it's just so incredible how you know in this in this brightly lit daily Gotham City, like it's it's night sometimes, but it's a lot more day, uh, and you have this running, colorful, bright Batman just you know trying to help people and trying to like. Oh no, Robin! You you need to be careful. You can't do this. You know, respect traffic laws. <laughs> we can't drive too fast. Uh, you know, all, all all the important moral lessons a young boy needs to learn. And and yet there he goes fighting these extremely well branded supervillains? Question mark that you know care a lot about cats and books and penguins and sea life uh, because they do. Uh, <laughs> sometimes they have a reason a lot of the times they don't they're, they're, they're all out having fun and in a sense Batman is too he is sure he, he's concerned he's worried but he wants to he wants to bring them back he wants to rehabilitate them even though you know they'll, they'll get off uh, when, whenever they get brawl uh, but no he, he will not stand down on, on his quest for these criminals to be reintegrated into society with a <laughs> useful, positive role, and so on. And it all becomes quite laughable in a very positive way. I'm, I'm loving this well, conceptualization guess, as Batman the Reformist. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of curious. Um, I know you've, you've, you've written about this and you've been thinking about this uh, for a little while. So maybe we can start with like what you think the kind of formal markers of like the silly as in aesthetics, are. Yeah. I I think that the um, mark of an aesthetic like, is usually, even in a more broader, like, silly piece of media like this movie or, or others, like, I don't know, um, a Naked Gun, Police Squad, mm-hmm. those airplane, those kinds of things. Um, it is, like, the break from, you know, this really solid, really mundane story or presentation, but it's like just, wait, what? <laughs> Moments that hesitate you, that pull you out a bit, that make you realize a bit how it's like, wait, is this, this, this is clearly fiction, this is clearly fantastic, but in a way that does not, I think, diminish the, the narrative or the story or the example that's being made. And 
I think that's a big thing. But another one is just the full, I don't know, sometimes an unrelenting aspect. It's like, yeah, no, this is bonkers and we're not going to care to explain this and we're just going to go with it. Like, this is a thing. Why is this a thing? I don't care. Figure it out. Like, it's it just leaves a... a it leaves a sort of role to the audience to engage and decide how they're going to deal with that. Like, it's not contextualized, it's not presented. Like, we don't get an explanation for, you know, the uh, bat anti-shark repellent spray, <laughs> uh, or however that sentence is phrased. And we don't need to. That's unimportant. Uh, but it, it's there. It works alongside other three or four sprays, including a squid one, uh, because of course there is. And I, I don't know, it, it's a question that uh, it's kind of difficult to place, like, what, how do we find the silly, or, or how do we represent the silly in a variety of ways, but I think it is maybe a bit, like, tentatively putting it, these elements are like, yeah, no, we're going to do this, and we're going to make this happen, and this can be, or not, that, that depends, significant, but it's not going to be... Um, I don't know, walked back, like, oh, is the anti-shark repellent important? Crucially, it's key to the plot. And yet, um, it is a, a minor aspect. On the other hand, you can have, like, the, the example I use for Elden Ring, the maidenless thing, and how, yeah, that's a silly statement, but it's also incredibly story significant <laughs> when you go deep into it. And those things aren't opposed. Like, it is this feeling of absurd and strangeness but that, you know, elicits a laugh, elicits a, like this warm response. But that doesn't mean it is frivolous, like far from it, even, even when it is. It can still be important, I think. It's a, uh, th these are my first steps towards a, a formalism of the silly. Thank you, John. <laughs> yeah. and, and I guess the other question that might be interesting to get everybody's thoughts on is like, does this... The thing that you mentioned earlier is like irony or cynicism. And I guess, how do you think this connects to something like sincerity as as an affect? You want to start with this one, Leon? Ooh, um, well, a thing that jumps to mind for me, I don't know if that's exactly what John meant. I'm sorry, John. But um, what I've been, what I think I've been observing is that um, we definitely deal with uh, a lot of well what is called stoicism or at least stoic characters so every guy uh, every man that's straight and doesn't talk a lot is a stoic character nowadays when we look at how people interpret media and for me um once again there is a field of actual philosophy behind stoicism to be sure uh do i still think that field of philosophy is mainly for you to look at cynics and be like, no, I want to be even more unfuckable. So I'll become a stoicist. Um, yeah, I, I do think that's the, that's the main, that's the main utilization of that. But that being said, I, I, I do think that there, this stoic character draws in a lot of very, um, a very colorful fan base, uh, to be, to, 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 to say it in a very euphemistic way. Um, that I think we are currently uh, struggling with to to navigate as content creators or, or as content creators, as people who create media. 
And that's something that, that I think I've observed quite thoroughly. And I think I'm not alone in that. Mm. Yeah, there's a there's like a Dadaist surreality in in the the Adam West uh, 1966 Batman movie and the TV show itself. Um, and and I think I'm really happy you brought up like Airplane, uh, Naked Gun, and like also Police Squad earlier. Because uh, I, I think there's a you have to be very sincere, you have to be very earnest to do that kind of like surrealist parodic kind of of humor right like like it requires like a very like open and honest engagement with the things that you're riffing on that's that's far less ironic i mean it's like ironic in more of a classical sense and less less ironic in the sense that we do it today where our irony is this kind of like detached effective thing Mm -hmm. it's just a thought yeah oh definitely (laughs) i think that this very I think Batman, first of all, is a great example of a character that used to be something akin to what Adam West is portraying. And if you look at um, what it is now, I would argue, in the hands of people like Zack Snyder, um, uh, Frank Miller, and even maybe less egregious, but still, in my humble opinion, very egregious, uh, uh, Christopher Nolan of... Remember how America, how Batman doesn't an American imperialism in that one? God, that was that was something. Anyway, it's uh, <laughs> it's so it, that's that's night and day for me. Um, and I get it; he is mm-hmm. the night. But uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> I, I, I got two more of these. I'm so sorry. I will sprinkle them to out tactfully. Um, it's, <laughs> but in all seriousness, these these are night and day, and that cultural or. Well, whatever kind of shift it, it it is, that's character shift, I would say. The way we characterize this fictional individual, um, it, it, that is interesting, I would argue. And I think there's something there and something to be talked about. Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I, I think uh, connecting all that to the, to the question that John posed in terms of sincerity, I think it is the... Like, you've mentioned this to me before, Leon. You can be sincere about terrible shit. Like, clearly. But sometimes what what I'm trying to get with with this idea of sincerity, it's one that is is, is not willing to give up on a reading or a feeling or a connection with, with a piece or a situation. Uh, it it goes all the way, or is willing to go as far as it possibly can. It, it is this unrelenting stance towards, like you know, I'm I'm gonna look at this and I'm gonna push this in a clear, direct way as much as I can. And it's mm. not just like, oh, you know, it's like I. Uh, it's more than just caring about something, but it's like, no, I care about this so much that I'm willing to to talk about this, to present this, and to portray this, or to um depict this in terms of you know acting and so on that is not just a you know I, I care about this or I like this like no I I legitimately want to do with this the best that I possibly can and I think that is strong in a sense with uh oh no it, it, it's saying my network is struggling do do ask me to repeat if you need me to um but it is this, I, I think it's what I, I mentioned before about it being unrelenting and like airplane and, and police squad, Nick again, like there are so many jokes. There's so many gags, so many puns, so many things all the time that it takes like five or six rewatches to get about 90%. And even then, and that's the point as well. Like it never, 
wants to be anything else. Like it's, it, it maybe is a bit focused on one thing, but the same goes for like this Batman. It it wants to be exactly this, and it does not ceases to be that even when it goes bananas a lot of the time. <laughs> bat bananas. Hey. That was a stretch. I tried <laughs> way go. too hard for that one. So um, unless unless anyone wants to uh, jump jump on what Frank just said, I, I think uh, we've been we've been teasing. The wide, the wide world of Batmans uh, today. So we, we should do like a comparative, comparative bat literature degree for everyone in the audience. Oh yeah. So how do we, how do we feel about how the Adam West Batman contrasts with Schumacher, Burton, Nolan, Snyder, uh, the Rob Pattinson Batman? Kind of our, our mainstream Hollywood <laughs> filmic Batmans will reserve this conversation to. Unless we want to talk about weird comic book bullshit, in which case we could have an absolute like sub conversation under the table. It would be great. I mean, we need to talk about Condiment Man at one point. No, it's kidding. Gonna go on. Oh yeah, Kid Calendar Man, Doctor Freak. I'm here for the weird Batman villains. So, so I guess I guess I'll kick things off then. Uh, we we have this slow trajectory over like decades now. God, it's been six fucking decades of this. Of Batman's increasing militarization, of Batman's increasingly, like, becoming bound into the American police state, becoming bound into the American military apparatus. Like, look at the last, like, three major Batman franchises. They've all been about Batman, like, just just becoming this proto-fascist great man of history. Oh, yeah. And so I, I, find, I find this to be a, a very interesting point that we're kind of like, we've been bleeding silliness for decades now in, in favor of this yeah. like like very stoic, very patriarchal, very borderline fascist Batman. Yeah, I, I think that's very interesting um, to very briefly like uh, dip into what I think is the worst offender of these all. Uh, not to create a meaningless hierarchy here, but just as a point of navigation, I do think that uh, Frank Miller is the worst offender out of all these, in, uh, how do you say this, these, in, these incantations of Batman. With uh, the beautiful defense, by the way, I just need to say this real quick. The beautiful defense that um, he he isn't a fascist because he gets accused of being a fascist. That's essentially Frank Miller's defense, which I I, I applaud you, sir. That's some four dimensional <laughs> chess of, of of brilliant play. Yeah, no, I yeah. This is also this is also Frank Miller, the person who published the Dark Knight three colon the master race yeah, like, oh god yeah and I, I i do think yikes oh yeah that's a yikes from me there bad yikes no um it's um bad yikes. yeah no it's so uh, it's, it's the beautiful meme of like the obvious interpretation of like, hey, uh, Batman is fascist and that's good. And then Zack Snyder on the other side of the meme thinking, big strong man, yes. Uh, which, you know, would have been funny if he Randy was gay. And Batman. But- <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, yes. Which which I think, why, Sh- Schumacher did a better job, maybe. Who knows? But, um, yeah, so maybe, uh, how, how do we feel about the Schumacher one? Let's, uh, let's, let's have a little, because I do like the Schumacher a little bit in a weird way. At least it's gay. Yeah, precisely. There we go. <laughs> we have we have we have uh, narrowed it down to its bare essence. Bad essence. <laughs> Sorry. And like, well, actually, this is why I think this is why I think thinking about Batman in this way works well for horror vanguard. Right. The whole point that Frank was bringing up was about excess, like an excess of yeah. of jokes and excess of aesthetics. 
which immediately puts you into two two kind of like aesthetic categories one of which is camp uh and the other which is the gothic um this is why i'm deeply fond of burton of tim burton's batman with michelle pfeiffer Mm -hmm. uh because i think it's both very camp and extremely gothic um but yeah i I think schumacher's is is an underappreciated gem of uh explicitly queer uh hollywood cinema and ties directly back to like the golden age camp classic comics that you know the comics code basically sought to outlaw for corrupting the minds of children <laughs> yeah no i i agree i, I think though the, the schumacher ones are some of my i think my other favorites like i i like the tim burton ones for the weirdness going on there but i i appreciate so much like the the color the spectacle the the fever dream quality that the schumacher batman's batman do uh, <laughs> or have I mean, the um, Jim Carrey as Riddler works really oh, well. Brilliant. And if it's it's closer to the Riddler in Batman 66 than any other, which is definitely the superior version of that. And, uh, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Mr. Freeze will never not, not cease to be funny. Uh, that's just my take on that. <laughs> and, and we can even we can even do this to like the other characters as well. Like, I'm glad you bring up the Riddler, right? Because we get the Riddler again and the, the Pattinson Reeves Batman. But another another through line character, another character that lives through all of these Catwoman, and we get yeah. we get what I just just find to be like quite frankly baffling is like the, this kind of like return with a V to to like fifties gender modalities. By the time we reach the the Reeves Batman is like ripped from some like you know like retro maniacal sexist fantasy. It is so right wing that it was jarring i I watched it a few nights ago in in prep for this episode so i had to catch up with every single batman movie oh bat help me um (laughs) but so like but then even that you get like in the burton batmans right you you get his selena kyle right and even that is like that's it's it's Mm -hmm. this exploration of like the the, kind of like i guess like feminine imprisonment right and the edges and limitations of that and the stresses on the psyche at least there's a conversation happening there Mm-hmm. And 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 again, like I think this all maps onto like this Batman's rightward historical and social trajectory. Like they're, I just feel like this is going to be like a large part of the conversation. This episode is the slow fascistic turn of the Batman. <laughs> oh yeah. So well, what you what you said is very interesting. I think, especially if you look at just generally how, uh, well, I guess we just have to say this real quick. Uh, just how Batman treats. Uh, any woman character in the yes. in any media or comic book, I remember yeah. there being a lot of. Um, so just real quick for the audience, I I have by the most familiar I ever got with Batman is when I was younger and I was watching the animated series and oh hell yeah yeah that, that, that I would say that actually strikes a decent balance uh, as far as the bat uh, bat realm goes. Um, I it's like children's crime noir. Yeah, yeah, precisely. And yeah, true. You, you do have some silliness, but also some seriousness with uh, Hamill's uh, Joker and so forth. He wasn't mm-hmm. the uh, deeply I, I don't know what to call it, but slightly fetishized um, uh, uh, 2008 Joker um, from Nolan. 
because yes yep. and, and fetishizing is probably not the right word but there's like a little cult for it on the internet which still after all these years which is weird man anyway but i i remember um i only have a passing familiarity with that band let's just say that and i remember being there a, a lot of uh commotion around uh him uh fucking batwoman or barbara gordon in the animated adaptation of the killing Joke. oh jesus christ yeah yeah precisely but then like, there's maybe something to be said about that by somebody who knows a little bit more about batman than i do if you want but i would just like to uh a, a part of this grossing out of batman for me at least is that i don't believe there is a woman character in any iteration that has not up to a point be a romantic foil or a sexual interaction point mm-hmm. of interaction for Batman, which is a weird way in which this uh, other very more uh, psychological power fantasy is played for Batman, I would argue. But I, I don't know if mm-hmm. that's necessarily where we want to go. But I think that's been... Oh, a, I mean... Yeah. I, I think that's a really strong point. I mean, like the only meaningful break that I can think of and like... Not like a diehard Batman comic book fan. I have read a good number of them, but the the um, Harley Quinn animated series is, I think, like one of the few strong examples of like you know like women Batman characters having relationships and sexual agency and things to do outside of this kind of like psychosexual frustration of Batman. Oh yeah, definitely. I think it's sadly still slightly played for men to find it hot but i i understand or laughs yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and once again that's a difficult balance to strike because you know you should just be able to enjoy your lesbian romance uh fantasy or bisexual or whatever word you think Mm -hmm. i should have said dear listener um but (laughs) it's uh so so that's always a very difficult uh balance to strike i would argue but yeah, no, you're right. I can't think of any other example. Uh, but then Batman is also a, a simulacrum of Batman in that show. I would say it's he's he's like reduced to his bad bad atoms, if you will. It's like a roast of Batman. Yeah, yeah and then again, like the 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 the, the Pattinson Batman's really stuck in my head. There's a scene where the Pattinson Batman and uh, Selina Kyle Catwoman are on like the roof of an abandoned building or something, and and. Selena Kyle just tried to steal a bunch of money from the Penguin, and Batman was like, how did, how did you know about all that money? Did you sleep your way to the top of being a burglar? And it's like the most insane incel thing I've ever heard Batman say is like, woman, did you fuck your way to the top of being a criminal? Like, what, what a, like, baffling, like, open and honest patriarchal comment from the Batman to get out of that. And I think, yeah, like Leon, you're absolutely right. The, the bat relationship to women is like, it, it, again, it charts so well with this, this rightward turn of Batman. Yeah. I, I kind of want to, I kind of want to complicate things a little bit because we keep talking about a rightward turn and in a way, in a way, I don't necessarily think that's true. Um, so like, uh, there are a couple of things worth pointing out, I think, which is like, firstly, like the classic uh, Bob Kane, Bill Finger, Batman stories were based on um, kind of film noir yeah. ripped from the headline. Like they're basically true crime stories, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which is like, so it, I, I kind of think like 
the t- the turn didn't really happen it was already it was always already like baked into the form um mm-hmm. and it's really it's when you think about it uh there's often a lot of comparison between superman and batman um as the two big comic characters and it's so it's so so odd when one is so very much based on the kind of like humanist didacticism that's aimed at children's literature and the other is like a, a kind of brooding psychosexual nightmare um, <laughs> really bat so the, the thing i would say is like batman really isn't about externalities right what is what is what is it about it is about so it is about someone who is completely unable to become an adult because they are psychoanalytically trapped within themselves by the trauma of seeing their parents murdered in front of them Uh, which is why their response to crime is the response that a 10-year-old would come up with, which is to dress up like a bat and punch (laughs) social inequality in the face. Um, So uh, I'm sort of like, I'm sort of like, I I, I agree, but it's sort of like, I I think the inherent reactionary politics of it are kind of baked in from the beginning. And I think the fact that Batman is so obviously the 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 kind of manifestation or externalization of inward kind of psychodrama means that you do get you get some kind of like it tends to be very ideologically honest i mean i think it's interesting like um alan moore wrote the killing joke mm-hmm. widely regarded as one of the best batman stories of all time uh and he's kind of disowned it because it's it's full of like incredibly graphic sexualized violence towards barbara gordon it's a shame that alan but, moore keeps having to disown his work for doing that <laughs> yeah, i I, <laughs> but I wasn't going to say the, the, it, the but point i was thinking I, it i was i was going to add is that like as a direct result of um uh of alan moore's killing joke you also get something like gail simone's work on uh birds of prey mm-hmm. oh right? yeah which is yep. which is like some of the best I think feminist comic storybook telling of the last, I don't know, few generations. Oh yeah. So, and, and, so and, like, Oh, go on. I, I think some of the, the, the most interesting things you can do with Batman, are kind of read it against itself. Uh, you know, you can, uh, to, to quote Walter Benjamin, we must brush Batman against the grain, as it were. Benjamin. <laughs> I'm sorry here for this. No, I, I think those are all really, really strong points, and and I think I would add, or maybe like even a bat make make a bat. Uh, uh, I don't know, micro point within that is that like, you know, you're completely correct. Batman, Batman is like this kind of like bottled psychosexual torment, but I think there's a broader question of like who's who. Everyone has some kind of bottled psychosexual torment, right? We've all got like internal things that are difficult to grasp with that we don't like dealing with that then bleed out through us. And I think the, the, there's kind of a larger question in the trajectory of these Bat movies that I do think has been increasingly right leaning is like whose whose psychodrama gets to play out through the Batman? Oh, yeah. You know, who, who gets yeah. to play out through the Batman and who's relegated to one off comics that nobody reads or that I shouldn't say nobody reads because there's be- like beautiful stuff happens in those one off comics because nobody reads them because capital is less invested. And just like horror, people can go have fun where money is a bit more scarce. So that's that's a lot of formalism. <laughs> that's a lot of other Batmans that we've been we've been talking about here. So how about how about some discourse about the the movie that this episode is ostensibly on? <laughs> <laughs> 
uh, I, I I feel like we we can't escape the 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 beautiful allure of branding that this movie offers us. <laughs> how how significant it is to put a label on everything. Um, the this movie uh, to to the to the uninitiated yet uh, everything that Batman owns and uses everything and I do mean everything is labeled. From the bat ladder, ladder to the bat copter to the bat boat to the bat anti shark repellent spray, uh, everything, everything. And while he labels it and you know marks his sort of ownership of it, the villains aren't that far behind, having you know their own styles and presentations, their their outfits, their goons with thematic names according to them, their layers which are all personalized. Uh, we don't see that much in this movie since we get four supervillains in one, but in the show we we do. Like each layer, each plot, everything, it's all, you know, tailored by these particular characters, their interests, their desires. And it is all connected into these through lines that make their identity so evident, so obvious. I mean, the Riddler makes riddles. The Joker makes silly, weird jokes <laughs> and uses jokey gadgets and machinery. Uh, the Catwoman has a cat this entire film <laughs> that she carries around. And so on and so on. Let, let us not forget the incredible Egghead by Vincent Price. Yep. Lots of egg puns. Salute. The horror, horror vanguard salute to Vincent Price. Always. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think that's a really strong point that the 66 Batman is actually a classics play. Well, well, well said. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm very interested uh, in the fact that I wonder where it exactly stopped for, uh, that it wasn't no longer and not okay to dress the way people do in this movie, because um, <laughs> it adds to the color, I suppose, but also at the same time, you cannot release this movie now, I would argue, without it having a very visceral reaction from a certain group of people. Um, I, 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 I think that if this movie now was released, it would like you know be subjected to severe homophobic slurs, uh, for instance. Oh, or, extremely. Yeah, you know. So I'm, I'm very yeah. interested in in how, uh, and maybe to tie this, this little bit together with, with, with the great point that John just made, um, I, I do think a lot of things are baked in indeed. However, our attitude towards them has uh, very strongly changed. The, uh, the left is, it should have been maybe earlier on, but was maybe a bit more neutral towards the detective uh, character type and what have you, or just police in general. I would say that in the United States, especially like the last couple of decades, have made great strides in anti-police sentiment and so forth and so on. Uh, made very easy by the horrendous treatment of American police, of literally almost anyone at this point. Um, it's it's uh, it is interesting then that the right as well has like I, I don't know entirely capitulated to anything the police does. Uh, there's no critical lens to it whatsoever. So that is very much enhanced in today's discourse, I would argue, as well. And mm. so we have these earlier beginnings, both these, these silly outfits and both the how do we approach the detective and the elements of, of that. 
and how do we talk about them now? And we see like maybe the right wing turn isn't in Batman, but in us, I guess is all I'm trying to, mm-hmm. trying to say. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. No, I think that's I think that's a really a really strong point, and I think that plays out in Batman sixty six, right? Because like, so obviously this is horror vanguard. We talk about horror movies all the time. And one of the things that we've kind of noticed over through over 300 episodes <laughs> is that uh, police in horror are l- largely don't do anything. And, and the things that they do are incompetent. They, inf- they often amplify the danger and escalate the violence. Yeah. And, and in rare instances, when they do become heroic, it's when they kind of shed their class position as a police officer and reintegrate into, you know, like the, the people that they're trying to save, right? A kind of working class body. Not always the rule, but it is a dominant trend within horror cinema. And I think that's weirdly plays out in the 66 Batman movie. You know, like like the, the, the cops are just like comically deferent to, to these two, uh, you know, like J- Joker excluded here, circus clowns that are trying to stop crime. And then Batman's crime stopping efforts, like they're, they're so, they're so parodic. He, he's like a, He's like a goofy, like straight edge youth crew CD, right? Like talking about like cross out on the green, not in between. And it's just so over the top that you can't help but like laugh at it. And I think that laughter invites a kind of critical lens that later Batman, you know, uh, Nolan Snyder Reeves specifically, uh, because the Burton and the Schumacher Batman are, are they're either openly queer or queer coded. Like, but the, the, the last three Bat directors, I, I think they're so much more deferent to police and policing or in the case of Nolan's Batman, right? It's it's the it's the right wing fantasy that that again. Sorry to keep ragging on the Reeves Batman, but I think like oh you're right. What, what's you the, fi- the 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 fine the final one of the final lines that that Pattinson gives? He's like he basically he's come to the realization he needs to give back to the community. And how's he going to give back? He's going to stop looters during a historic flood that's destroying destroying the city. <laughs> so so Bat- Batman <laughs> is on the rooftop of of the Target with a sniper rifle trying to stop looters. Uh, and, and I think this is just this open deference to policing that, that kind of becomes so much more vibrant in, in the worst way imaginable. We, uh, we call it urban foraging nowadays, actually. It's the uh, politically correct <laughs> term. Uh, well, uh... Uh, the urban forager sounds like a, 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 like a D-tier Batman villain. <laughs> well, it, it's all fitting together quite nicely now, isn't it? <laughs> I, I think the... I think that to put pull a lot of those threads together, given what, what John said and which we're both talking about, I, I think that has a lot to do with how we think or, or portray or see the idea of the vigilante, mm-hmm. which, you know, he, in in initial principle, he's like, oh, he's above or outside the rules, so he's going to be more radical or whatnot. He's going to do what police can't do. But most about 95% of the time, what he'll actually do is reinforce the institutional's position which can a lot of the time be constrained by, you know, reasonable limits, which uh, don't matter anyway, but in an even more blatant manner, which is the contemporary Batman. He, you know, g- doesn't care about who he hurts or any consequences. He just goes for it because he can. Uh, and he's just this military force of a single man and, and the state, you know, a lot of the time. But it's it's really weird in, when that the vigilante Batman are a lot more extreme than a, the 66 Batman, which we find out in this movie, which, and I did not remember until the rewatch for this episode, he's a duly deputized police officer. Yes. Um, 
he's no longer vigilante, and in being a police officer, he ridicules the entirety of the institution by showing how it is just so awfully incompetent. I mean, the police in the 66 Batman are only useful when it comes to falling by a ploy of one of the supervillains, where it's like, oh no, Batman actually did something terrible, we gotta stop him, and oh no, I've accidentally killed Batman, oh no! <laughs> so so that's when the police are useful in, in this Gotham City. And any other circumstance, comically ridiculous. Right. So Sorry, go it goes so far into it, uh, into the absurdity that it ends up mocking the very institution, which I, I find brilliant. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it, it is truly Batman as Steven Seagal. <laughs> uh, another thing that's mocked that I didn't think it would be in the 60s is um, the unrelenting sales of arms that the United States engages uh, mm-hmm. in. Like there's this very oh, yeah, very honest. Yeah, no, precisely. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's but but there's this scene uh, for those who haven't watched it that I believe is Robin or Batman. I'm sorry, please correct me. But one of them calls the uh, the naval departments of the United States Army, and it is like, yeah, we need to know if you have sold us any kind of like <laughs> like uh, uh, not nuclear but like high armed submarines, and they're like. Could be anyone, really. Like, just, and so there's this very <laughs> like interesting commentary on both like all these things that are were going on strongly in the '60s and continue to go on uh, in other decades. I don't know how. Uh, feel free to talk about anything else, but I'm curious how how do we feel about like the slightly hopeful message about the uh, United States Soviet relation that is sort of kind of played out here mm. i don't know how you guys feel about that john do you have a do you have a, a hopeful take for us for, for bat soviet relations <laughs> uh i mean well batman does have in a, a, way, in a way this is like um it's 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 a very it's a it's a 60s movie right and so it's it's in, indebted i think to 60s psychedelia um and to like the idea of um a kind of like hippie revolution and you know this the 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 ending of like oh these people are now all in some way cosmically psychologically physically entwined with each other uh kind of really does fit in with that um i think yeah there 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 are these interesting contradictions in like 60s psychedelic psychedelic media of love being the thing that will win out and actually a naive ignoring of political realities of like political materialism um i like i like that it's it's a somewhat hopeful superhero film in as much as like the adam west batman aims to at some point in the future no longer exist as batman <laughs> right that <laughs> yes. like it, yeah. in, the, in the in the perfect iteration of this adam west's batman's universe at a certain point batman would no longer be necessary the bat that abolishes itself, exactly. Correct. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. True. No, I'm really, I'm really I mean, happy that you. Oh, go on, go on, Frank. Oh no, go on, Ash. <laughs> <laughs> and here, and here begins the bat battle over who will have discourse next. No, I'm, I, I, I'm really <laughs> glad that you brought up psychedelia too, right? Because I think there's, there's a very popular misconception about like psychedelics in the '60s and the revolutionary spirit, right? Because you can go back to like the '50s too. 
like in the 50s, Time magazine was running headlines about magic mushrooms and their potential, right? Like, like psychedelia is introduced into American culture as like this thing for elites, you know, and then we, we, we get this kind of like technocratic psychedelic priest class that tries to emerge through this that desperately try to prevent the rabble from gaining access to these things. And like, it, it's, I think it's totally reasonable to like, you, Adam West Batman would have been dropping acid with, with the city fathers, you know, and, and they would have been like doing the exact same thing that tech CEOs are doing today. Just, you know, downgrade their technological capabilities slightly in this game of bat sieve that we're playing. And that is, that is exactly what you're saying. That's this, that's this kind of like, now decades long inherent contradiction that's just been boiling within the psychedelic landscape. I I think it's very interesting because I definitely uh, fall for the pitfall of um, because as leftist or leftist ideology has been so utterly demonized all the fucking time that anything that isn't exactly that feels like a pleasant uh, reprieve. I would argue. And that that makes you like oh well look they they are uh, that I would almost like I'm eager for the uh, naivete almost because otherwise it's just full on demonizing and harming uh, like you know a leftist uh, thinking so I, that's definitely something I I fall for quite a bit I will admit <laughs> um, but yeah I I don't know I I, I find. Uh, I find uh, Batman to be very interesting in this case that it at least wants to maintain something, whereas to violently contrast it to uh, Christopher Nolan's movies real quick again, where he literally goes to Hong Kong, I believe, (laughs) to extract a criminal. Right? (laughs) Oh, my God. God. Yeah, doing like like a CIA extreme rendition to put someone in a black site. Oh, my God. Yeah, well, not even, I believe, a black site. I believe it was, um, he delivers it to the Gotham Police Department, which is like... (laughs) How, oh yeah! How does that even work? To be honest, I, I think all of that it, it helps us give like that the '66 Batman is in a sense the most anti-Batman Batman, <laughs> uh, because Beautiful. of what they've been saying, right? If this, if the fascistic Batman is the most Batman Batman um, in terms of the militarism of the the worst possible version of this noir portrayal of this crime drama and so on then the 66 batman he is one of the farthest away from that in you know he he has a life outside of being a batman <laughs> unlike most other batman um millionaire bruce wayne is actually seen around he does things he goes to you know conventions and events and and exists outside like he does not just like oh I I am secluded in my house and I I can't be I can't exist outside no it's like no oh, I'm I'm gonna I'm head of the Wayne Foundation I have responsibilities I have work to do I have to educate my young ward in every single way so you know <laughs> it, it is it is quite distant from you know the the and, and he's an interesting Batman for for all the the horribleness uh, Robert Pattinson as this emo secluded bruce wayne batman is the most extreme distant from millionaire bruce wayne just you know walking about 
and, uh, you know, meeting people and doing things and walking down the street. And, you know, it's it's literally night and day. I, I, I feel like basically what we're dancing around is that the 1966 Batman is in some way the hyperstition of the great seismic event of 1972, which is uh, Deleuze and Guattari publishing Anti-Oedipus. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> right? Uh, or, or to give it its subtitle, Capitalism and Schizophrenia, right? So, like, if there is mm-hmm. a division, then yes, there is a psychedelic split within Batman between, uh, actually a tripartite split, right, between Adam West as hyper-recognizable uh, between Bruce Wayne and between Batman. And it's very notable that actually in Pattinson's Batman, there is no split, right? There is no yeah. division between Bruce Wayne and Batman. They're the same. They're the same kind of pathetic loser who's unable to do anything. Um, <laughs> so I, I honestly, I feel like that sort of unlocked this for me. Um, <laughs> that the, like we can consider it as a kind of like farce of like personality breakdown. Um, and reflecting, of course, the broader moves of the late 60s and the kind of like collapse of the the, the hippie psychedelic movement into, into punk, into the sort of like regressive republicanism of Christopher Nolan and then like the emo revival of like of, of the current moment. So uh, Deleuzean Batman, that's that's what Gotham needs. <laughs> oh my God, I I'm so here for for Deleuzean Bat discourse. This is phenomenal, and I think like 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 Frank and John, what you were both just saying, it brings this kind of like 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 almost like a, a kind of like Jamesonian point to mind, where like you know like 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 the seed of something better is in is in Batman, right? And as kind of like left media critics, it's. It's tempting, but it's not our job to to figure out which one of these Batman is the most bat communist or the most bat acceptable for like a left uh, consumer of media. But inst- instead to figure out like, OK, what can we do with these with these Batman? What kind of conversations can we have? And I think like like Frank, your commentary on the kind of like and like John, you, you too, like on the on the shrinking space between Batman and Bruce Wayne. I, I think like like weirdly, that's something in the newer Batman that I find to be more like useful for for left conversation because like the robert pattinson batman right like like i i besides him listening to like uh uh one uh, nirvana song in the beginning of the movie there's not a lot of like grungy emo-y goth in him you know besides he's kind of like mopey mm-hmm. and slouchy you know i was really expecting him to be like blasting Susie sue while like kicking the head in of, of like some dude in penguin costumes or something but didn't didn't get my dream in my heart in my heart that's what i got um but no like like it's it's much more kind of like honest about the depiction of this billionaire he is just this kind of like mm-hmm. insipid little man child who's playing out his giant fantasy to the detriment of the city he lives in and even in the end of the movie, when he's like, oh, my God, I've made a great realization. I'm going to save the world. He just keeps doing the same bullshit. He just feels kind of different about it. And and contrast that with like the, the Adam West, where he's like an upstanding member. He's very Rockefeller. You know, he's he's doing his charities. Yeah. He's got his public grants. There's the, the, there'll be a school named after him next year. He's raising these orphans. He's he's an upstanding member of society attending the gala. And that's much more that's much more propagandistic about the nature of the ultra rich. Um, yeah, I don't know. So that's just something that just came to mind as we're talking about all of this stuff. And like, yeah, like, I don't know, just just like John a moment ago, like, God, like, Frank, I feel like this this conversation is unlocking 
bat bat <laughs> theory and in, in, in the bat cave of my brain that I was not prepared for. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Batman, oh, Batman, Bruce Wayne particularly is the personification of a particular moment of capitalism, yeah. right? Yeah. So you're completely right. You know, the Rockefeller of the 50s and 60s um, who is trying to altruistically cement a certain kind of liberal world, world order that mm-hmm. inevitably decays as a bulwark against communism, right? Yes. That's that's mm-hmm. the, the entire point. That's what motivated all of them. And they thought they were making the world a better place. They they genuinely believed they were acting morally. Um, and then it, it's very funny that you, that you then have like billionaires who kind of pour all of their money into like, uh, you know, uh, Blackwater mercenary squads in The Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. And then, and then mm-hmm. final, finally you have like, billionaires who who are kind of politically and socially sort of useless and uh, it, 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 in a way uh the emo revival is is on the billionaire class is like we know we don't do anything but we do feel bad about it <laughs> <laughs> to, to add to that point and i i think that is that's something that that uh that leon had mentioned or, or written in the notes before which is uh, the the tenet the tenet of Batman, which is that he'll not kill, especially what that means in, in the later Batman. Would you like to say a bit more about that, Leon? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No, 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 don't, don't. Um, no, totally. Um, I I think uh, definitely what what John is saying is is unlocking a bunch of things for me as well. Um, I definitely think that Batman indeed. Uh, the biggest challenge for having an interesting Batman is that sadly Batman has indeed been different iterations of capitalism. And that is like a slightly more broad view than I originally had. And, um, but regards to the whole, uh, killing thing, I, <laughs> I think that, 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 that there's a couple of readings of that. But the uh, the reading that, that we should focus on that I think if there was another there's another d- dimension where we already had this conversation but not this dimension don't worry about it, it was, <laughs> um, it's it's the the reading of that that's that's maybe most poignant I would argue is that um, Batman nowadays uh, doesn't kill mainly because it's a testament to his power it's a part of the power fantasy mm-hmm. like he doesn't have to kill it's there's no particular uh, political idea behind it. There's no particular moral philosophy behind it other than look at me. I don't use guns, only JK lol. I kind of do. My Batmobile has like a mounted turret that can like totally not kill you. Don't worry about it because you, you won't die, but uh, you, you wish you had when you see your hospital fees. But it's, yeah. it's, yeah, like, like a good Batman adaptation would be from the point of view of like some goon. Yeah. He and it starts when he wakes up in a hospital bed and has to deal with his health insurance yeah, bill. So totally, yeah, uh-huh. precisely that. And it's really funny that the well, it shows some kind of moral, uh, philosophically moral incompetency by the current writers, and by I think also this very eager third space that is now uh, hyperactive thanks to the uh, you know the broad utilization of mainly YouTube and or other social media. And, the, and another example of that, I would argue, is that a lot of people think they are very... Okay, let me not be mean-spirited here. Um, 
I have some issues when people say, oh, well, Batman actually creates his own villains by being Batman. I'm like, no, I, I would say social deterministic factors uh, leave people to crime. <laughs> I, I don't know. Because that, that is configured then into great man Batman, as, mm-hmm. as, as I'm dubbing him as, as this like very quasi, at, at the very least quasi-fascistic um, third space seems to be op- uh, operating on. So I, I, I don't know. It's well, I think I think you're completely correct. It's 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 this very like Iraq War logic, you know, like like Batman's but the villains of the Batman universe hate us for for our freedom. They hate us for yeah. our democracy. You know, like like they're mm-hmm. jealous. They're angry. They're they're crazed because we're so good. You know, that's that that's that's all of these kind of like Nolan Snyder Reeves Batman villain motivations now. And I think like your your comment about not killing, I think is really prescient too, because like especially like like John, your commentary about the medical bills, I think is like like really hits the nail on the head here, where it's where it's like you got him like watching these movies and like yeah, just like random goons, just guys that are bouncers at like a kind of shady nightclub, and like they'll they'll get like thrown through a cinder block wall. And I'm sorry, but like you're just a guy, like that's gonna turn your spine into pasta noodles. Like you're not gonna be doing too good after that. And I'm and I'm like. Like, like his, his, just, like, oh, I don't kill. It's, it's, it's this like careful ideological twist that goes through it. it. It reminds me of like the same discourses we have around the precision of drone strikes or smart bombs. Oh, yeah. Or now, like, like, you know, these, these AI backed killing machines that select, like, oh, it's the most humane area for you to bomb Gaza presently. Yeah. It's that same, like, oh, no, no, we don't kill. This is a precision strike. We're using a smart bomb to execute a tactical liquidation of of a terrorist combatant. Yeah, don't it's worry, not the hospital killing. terrorist isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this is this is the whole broader point about biopolitical regimes that like mm-hmm. place place certain, uh, you know, what is it? Uh, sovereign is he who decides on the exception, right? Batman is the fantasy of sovereignty, capitalism personified, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Finally, finally, there is the guy that you can point to, which as we all know, does not exist because that leads into, as we've been talking about, conspiracism and fascism, right? Yeah. This, this notion that there is... But, like, capitalism has its avatar, right? It has its its, uh, oh, its psychopomp. It has its um, kind of persona... It, it is. It's the personification. And so, really, the, the whole, kind of whole question of life in Gotham is, like, can you afford to live? Um, and it's so, so, so sort of, like uh endemic to the kind of ideological structures of like late global capitalist american hegemony hegemony that people don't even kind of notice that that's baked in right i i, I kind of in a way i sort of respect batman for going back to the the 40s roots of like the film noir where it's just like the the kind of like a tormented weirdo mm-hmm. who can't do anything uh, <laughs> and actually by doing anything makes things worse because at least that feels like kind of more ideologically honest right <laughs> john john i i swear to god once once an episode you say something that's like so so piercing and so smart that i have to like take a moment to integrate it into all of the bat files in my brain because it's just so correct and you just absolutely crushed it <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be sitting with the Batman as the psychopomp of capitalism for days. <laughs> Put on a shirt. But it's true. Put on a shirt. I, I think that is <laughs> that's the exact point or, or, or the the shall we say the, the final nail to, to the to the contemporary Batman coffin or Batmobile coffin, uh, which is that uh, this Batman 
is not, cannot be anything close to like a positive figure or a hero. Like I, I think if to trace that idea, like the Schumacher or maybe like kind of the last attempts of these weird supervillains kind of thing. But in the Adam West is like the the clearest expression of like Batman as like this heroic figure that has actually trying to just that actually has something they believe in and want to stand for something. Um, because in 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 a different dimension, uh, John has said that uh, and correctly that Adam West's Batman uh, and this movie's ultimate goal is nothing short of world peace. Yeah, absolutely. That's 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 what they want. They want the good. Like liberal world order, <laughs> and even even like like I, th- I think one of the last points I want to make too is that like what 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 does Batman wind up doing? Like Robin has this childish suggestion of like oh what if we mix and match all these world leaders right after they've been like reduced to dust and need to be rehydrated, and Batman's like tut tut now we shan't mess with the social order. Um, I don't know why Batman's mid Atlantic all of a sudden, um, but like. <laughs> you know like then it winds up happening and it is this kind of like it's very childlike it's very ludic it's very playful there's a kind of whimsy and like oh what if something just happened and and everybody had to get what if we we all of a sudden woke up in some like tower of babel situation speaking each other's languages and now we kind of have to bridge new uh, uh gaps in the social order what if we had to connect again and there's something so hopeful about that Fast forward to, to late. Uh, no, God, I'm so sorry. I keep making this like a comparative Batman session. <laughs> but like we, we kind of like like I, I really like don't like the phrasing that like, oh, these these comic book movies are for children. You know, I'm, I'm like, I'm sorry, but like the Snyder and Nolan and Reeves Batman. These are not kids movies. These are not like you don't take little Bobby to go see the, the fucking like uh, 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 Unabomber, Zodiac, Killer, Riddler versus like the anhedonic, depressive, psychosexual nightmare man. Like the 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 kind of like childlike whimsy that that playful desire to explore and to think outside of the bounds is kind of like drained out of this guy. Yeah, I th- oh, yeah sorry, the the Adam West is for for kids. Adam West oh, yeah. is for kids, absolutely. Yeah, and and, and adults who are high. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I do think that's very interesting because you do have that sound from uh, the band that we already talked about a little bit. Uh, Alan Moore beating that drum. Like, oh, uh, if you like superhero when old, you're bad sort of kind of. I'm not doing him justice here. I'm sorry. But generally, that's then the discourse point that he generates. Uh, not so much that he necessarily subscribes to wholeheartedly, but uh, you, you do have then this... Uh, well, this manifestation of a broader superhero fatigue, thanks to uh, the other thing called the MCU, and mm-hmm. all in all, I I, I do think then that um, that that's not necessarily the most useful way to interact with uh, media that is superhero centered. I I think to try to to drive it home back to the beginning point, I think that this. Uh, this right-wing space that's once again to focus back on Batman um, is is trying to uh, alienate any kind of actual actual transitioning identity for Batman. No, Batman is the guy that doesn't kill, is a billionaire, and they name all these very material, formal qualities that they adhere to dogmatically and want to condition this space to. Uh, <laughs> To like you know, it goes even as far as to say that uh, Batman doesn't do oral sex. Um, yes. 
you know, I, I believe you you brought it up, uh, Ash, and it's and you know, so you can see how idiotic that that uh, this non-identity is for Batman. And I think what uh, Frank also like what's interesting uh, about what Frank is saying is that I think that silliness and like you know. Um, well, the just silliness can function as a not the but a pathway for superhero movies to have a more transformative, more protean identity. Yeah, I think that as as we're coalescing to these readings, the contemporary Batman can only be understood as a fascist, yeah. and that uh, any other reading will, you know, make concession concessions for his militarism, for his fascism for his extreme amount of violence and uh, life in creating life ending debt um but medical debt that is and the the 66 batman i think is the the last or the only possible way to make like this this superhero to make like this kind of positive batman and even then it is tied uh, as we've been saying to this specific form of, of psychedelia of this this kind of millionaire the philanthropist figure that you know it's still still a big problem uh but it is only when coded with this absurdity this silliness that exists in that world that is uh you know millionaire bruce wayne always arriving at home and eating some milk and cookies i i, <laughs> I think this is brilliant i think this gets us to like kind of like i don't know like an acid communism reading of batman because like <laughs> if we were to revive, not not a not like a literal remake of the '66 Batman, but like those aesthetics, those qualities, right? It would it would be enshrined as a send up to the Adam West Batman, right? It it would be locked yeah. in and limited in as as this goofy little 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 thing, right? It wouldn't be a sea change in the Batscape. Um, that's the worst metaphor I have ever said. That one was bad. I'm sorry, <laughs> listeners. This is a, this is a this is a free episode though, so you get what you pay for. Um. But I, but I think like we, you know, we, we have to kind of like dare to, to dream of a Batman that could yet be, you know, like, like a kind of like fu yeah. a future, a future Batman, right? That kind of, I, I don't know, resolves these issues, goes beyond these spaces and these landscapes. Yeah, because I think one of the things that is most striking and, you know, sort of left behind, and that's why I wanted Leon to mention that thing about Batman not killing that dogmatic code and whatnot, because Adam West's Batman he, he it's, okay, he doesn't kill, but he goes more than that. He actually cares about life. Uh, mm -hmm. he, it, this is a Batman that will carry a bomb as far as he can <laughs> and will sacrifice himself even for a, a pair of ducklings um, because he will not harm anyone. He does not want to create a harm or, or, or this violence or death. Uh, when and, and this happens on the show sparingly, but in this movie it happens. When someone else dies, like a goon or something, someone he's never met would does not know, does not care. There's something so tragic about his disposition. It's like that is that was horrendous, Robin. That that should not have happened. This this is why we do not do certain things. This this cannot be, uh, and so on. So I, I think that to, for a, for the Batman that could be, or a, <laughs> maybe. Maybe we need to cut off the constraints of Batman and, you know, something towards maybe Lightning Man or whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, there is not something in terms of like this control or this, you know, I do not kill, but it's like 
I don't want to kill. I don't want to create harm. I do not want to destroy. I want things to live. I want things to be. I want this thing to exist in a particular way. I want to preserve and not, you know, destroy uh, in whatever sense that that means. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Aesthetically, I, I think that you'd have to go in something a much more wild direction. I don't know, maybe Vaporwave Batman could be interesting. <laughs> um, actually, Frank, he harms the shark, so that's a nice theory. But, that's true. You know, well, he <laughs> is to throw it out grief-stricken. Oh, well, no, God. actually. Actually, he did not harm the shark. He just uh, pushed the shark away. The shark was stuffed with dynamite by, by the villains. Ah, you Ooh. got me there. Ooh. I, I, again, I'm foiled by my brilliant co-host. <laughs> Ooh, I love point counterpoint. I love I love this. <laughs> I, I think that's there's a closing thought for me. I think that when we look at Batman, we see something that's very interesting in media, where like these things that were crutches for Batman, billionaire, uh parents, dad, so forth and so on, have kind of manifested themselves into chains instead of crutches, where now the yeah. character is like, you know, immovable. And that's that's bad, man. Get it? <laughs> that, I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm so sorry. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, so I, what I, you're saying? Oh, go on. Sorry. No. Uh, so away. what we're saying is that the Batman is uh, sort of at the end of its life. That that you know, like all good things, it should come to an end. As the fascist Batman, the most Batman of all Batmans. Yeah, exa- exactly. And I think I mean, like, there's also like. Like, obviously, we, we need to have, like, more material conversations, too. Like, the, there are more reasons that Batman is the way Batman is currently and, and why the 66 Batman died. And now we have this kind of, like, aesthetically codified Batman. And that's Batman's worth millions, if not billions of dollars as, as a piece of oh, yeah. intellectual property, as a copyright. And you can't, you can't shake something like that, right? Something like that needs to be clad in irons and bound and immovable because any movement there would represent risk for shareholders, right? Like just just from like a, a, a very like material perspective, like Batman won't innovate until Batman tanks and loses all of its value. And then whoever whoever is, is playing the game of hot potato with the asset for Batman at that point will have to do some panicked innovation. And we see this time and time again with these intellectual properties and these medias. No, no, but you yeah. don't understand. I learned in high school that capitalism is innovative. So actually, <laughs> you know. Oh, damn, I've been countered. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, as, a, as a closing thought, I, I, want, I want to apologize, not really, for breaking your format again. And this has been fantastic. <laughs> Thank you for, for all the silliness. I mean, capitalism is a horror story, if you will. One could say. One could write a book about that. One should, One should pre-order a book about that. <laughs> Abs- absolutely. Pre-order a copy. Ask your library and your university to pre-order a copy. Ask your grandmother to pre-order a copy. But thank you, everyone, for tuning in for today's episode, a discussion of the Adam West Batman movie with Frank and Leon from the left page and Here Be Media. Links to their show, links to their socials, links to everything, links to the pre-order for John's book will all be down in the show notes. Um, Bat... Bat goodbye? I don't know. Batman doesn't have like a sign-off. Bat-bye? Bat-bye? Bat-bye works. Bat-bye, everyone. Bat-bye, everyone. We hope you've enjoyed the Dread Discourse. Until next week, stay spooky.